Are there people in our world that need hope? Desperately. Desperately. This is a word that means so much when you realize that God is the God of all hope. He gives hope to the hopeless. And without God, we're hopeless. The name Jesus, little trivia, I won't be here next week to do the pop quiz, but the name Jesus means the Lord is salvation. The Lord is salvation. Yeshua, Jesus. He gives hope to lost mankind. And we just sang, Spirit come, fill us. And we come just as we are with open hearts. We're needy people. We need God's encouragement. We need security. Amen? I need security. In a world that's so unstable and chaotic, I need security. When we go to God's Word, we discover that God gives us hope and He gives us security. Psalm 91 is a psalm that has brought many people hope and security. You have a pink page there, which is your outline, and I'm going to encourage you to fill in some blanks there. Tiffany's going to put some uh, the fill-ins up on the screen for us pretty soon. But at the top there, I, I have a quote. Do you have a, a pink um, outline there? Everybody have one? I've got an extra one here if, you, if somebody needs it. Okay. This way you can follow along and make sure I'm staying on track. Okay? Because if I get on track, please raise your hand and say, Hey, Pastor Pete, you're off track. But uh, it helps me stay on track too. But a missionary who was uh, serving over in the Philippines sent me a letter. And at the end of the letter, I have the quote that's at the top. It says, If God brings you to it, He will bring you through it. Now that's a quote that has stayed with me. If God brings you to it, He will see you through it. That means that my hope, my security, my confidence is in God alone. Not in Pete, because Pete will mess it up. And you can go ahead and put your name there if you want to. And, you know, it's reality. But we need God's help. Every turn. Psalm 91. Take your Bibles and let's go there. We're going to look at just the first two verses. Psalm 91 and see four distinct aspects that are truth for us to stand upon as we walk with the Lord day by day. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest. Now, I have that word rest underlined in my Bible. I don't know whether you do underlining in your Bible, but you know, I've had this Bible probably 30 years and it's it's full of underlining where the Holy Spirit says, you need to pay attention on this one because it's important. Rest. will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, here's my testimony, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I, what? Trust. That's another one I've underlined. Rest, trust. Okay, so we're going to look at these two verses of Psalm 91. Now, the whole psalm is very valuable and very uh, uh, full of revelation. But sometimes we can take too much and, and we can't take it all in. I'm that way. 
I'm more simple-minded. I'd rather just take two verses and really deal thoroughly with them than take all 17 verses and, you know, just kind of get overwhelmed. So I really felt the Lord was saying that we needed to just look at these two verses today and to be encouraged. And the first reality that we're encouraged by, the reason we have hope is because of God's presence. Go ahead and fill in that first line. God's presence. God's presence. He who dwells in the shelter. Now, some of your Bibles, I think it's the King James, has secret place. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. The shelter of the Most High. Now, let's ask a simple question. Where is the shelter of the Most High? Where is the secret place that the psalmist is referring to? Where do we find that place of rest? Because that's the whole key. You're not going to rest in life unless you're in that secret place in the shelter of the Most High. It's in relationship with God. It's in relationship with God. There's no rest apart from being in a relationship with God. That's why Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven and came to earth to reveal God wants to have a relationship with everyone. He doesn't want to exclude anyone. He loves His creation. He wants to be present in your life. Now, we know that God is present everywhere. That's one of His uh, uh, attributes, His characteristics. He's everywhere present because He's God. But see, He wants to be present in us through the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you must be born again. He talked to Nicodemus. Nicodemus said, how can I get into the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, you must be born again, born of the Spirit. When we come to faith, here's the key. When we come to faith in Jesus, we enter the shelter of the Most High, the secret place. Because there can be no relationship with God without faith. Amen? Hebrews chapter 11, (coughs) verse 6 tells us, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because those who come must believe that He exists and He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. It all starts with faith in God. Now you have to have faith in the true God. There's a lot of people in our world that have faith in the little g gods. You know, they're all over the place, but they're not God. They're false God. They're, they're the imaginations of mankind or demonic. But the one true God we sang, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning, our song shall rise to Thee. Holy, 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 Father, Son, And Holy Spirit, blessed Trinity. So when we know the true God by faith, then we're in that shelter. We're in His place of dwelling. That gives us hope. That gives us security. That gives us confidence to face each day of life and most importantly, eternity. Who would want to face eternity without a relationship with God? Because even Solomon said that the body will return to the ground it came from, but the Spirit, the eternal Spirit, God's given each one of us, the Spirit will return to God. See, we need to have faith in the living and true God. We need to be in that secret place, abiding with Him, and then we will have the rest that God wants us to have. See, Jesus proved God's love for us when He not only left heaven and came to earth, when He lived on earth and taught about the kingdom of God, but when He gave Himself on the cross as our sacrifice. 
See, this cross here has a purpose. It's a reminder every time we worship of the price that was paid for my sin and your sin. That's why we're grateful to God. That's why we have hope. Because Jesus paid for my sin on the cross of Calvary. He died, but He didn't stay in the, in the grave, did He? He arose triumphantly. He's the living Lord, the living Savior, the risen One. Therefore, I have hope today. And my faith in Jesus Christ allows me to have a relationship with the Father. And the Holy Spirit works in me and in all believers to secure us in God. So I don't have to fear. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be concerned about with what the future is going to hold because who holds the future? The Lord does. See, God is in control. When you know that and you have that reality within you, then you have the peace of God's presence. Now, Jesus said, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. That's the promise He gave to His disciples, Matthew 28, before He ascended back to the right hand of the Father. He says, I am not going to leave you. And He said another time, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. You're not out there on your own. No, I am present with you. See, God's presence with us makes all the difference. Psalm 46. I don't have it in your notes, but you can write it down there. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in time of trouble. Any of you ever been in trouble in the past? Maybe you're in trouble now. You may face some trouble in the future. God says, I'm present with you. I'm an ever-present help. Don't be worried. Don't panic. Know that you're under my shelter because we have relationship. We have relationship. And you can have rest in knowing that that relationship is God's work in you. It's a work of grace. It is a work of grace. I've received it by faith. As Paul says, it's a gift of grace that I received by faith and so have you. So that's why we can then do this right here. The rejoice. When we have the hope we can have the rejoicing. The two together go together. But without the hope, you can't have the rejoicing, right? I didn't know these illustrations were going to be up here, but that's how it works. God loves to surprise us. And see, God wants us to know that we know that we know that His presence is with us. Now, I'm going to have us just go to Hebrews chapter um, Chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 5, because here's a verse, and, and it even, I think, came to my heart as we were praying this morning about the reality of the access we have to God because of our relationship of faith, and we're under His shelter in that secret place. Now, here's what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 16. Let us, that's all believers who have true faith in Jesus, let us then approach the throne of grace with, my Bible says confidence, with confidence, verse 16, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help Pete in my time of need. See, the Scripture says to help us in our time of need. I believe God wants us to make His Word personal. I love to put my name in here. That Pete can approach the throne of grace with confidence so that Pete may receive mercy and find grace to help Pete in Pete's time of need. See, when I make it personal, then it becomes real to me. And it's not just words on a page, but it's the living Word. 
It's the word of God that's going to encourage me today and tomorrow and whatever I may face in the future. Is that the word that is speaking into your heart today? That you have the privilege of approaching the Father, the throne of grace, with confidence and that you will receive the mercy you need and the grace that you need to help you in your time of need. That means that we don't have to worry. We can look to the Lord in trust because we're in his secret place. We're in his shelter. See, the word of God speaks directly to us when we see how relevant, how relevant it is. If the word of God wasn't relevant to us and we'd say, well, why even read it? But the Holy Spirit says you need it. You read it. <laughs> right. OK. Now, the next point is God's peace from God's presence where we have hope comes God's peace, God's peace. Under the shadow of the Almighty. When you're under the shadow of something, you realize the reality of how close it is because the shadow falls over you. God's peace comes to His people when they continually remember how near God is. He's not a distant God. Yes, He created the world. He created the universe. And there are some people called deists who say, well, God created it and then just said, well, now it's on its own. God just removed Himself. That's not true. God is involved with His creation. So God's shadow is over His creation. And most importantly, God's shadow is over us. We do not have to feel insecure about going into unfamiliar or unknown territory. We don't. We don't have to be afraid. Now, here's the reality. Tomorrow, you're going to go into unknown territory. Because you don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what tomorrow holds. All I know is right now. So each moment, we're moving into unknown territory. Now, the only time you wouldn't be moving into unknown territory is if you were physically dead. Okay, then you're done. You're over. Okay, but the fact that you're alive and you're breathing, you're living, means that you're going into unfamiliar territory every moment. God wants to assure you you're not alone. His presence is with you and he wants you to have his peace in the midst of whatever you might face. I don't know what I'm going to face today as I'm driving home to North Bend, as I get to my house that is sold and now I'm a renter for a week until I'm totally moved out and then I'm going to be living Vivian and I with an elderly man for a period of time until we know where God's leading us this is all unfamiliar territory but God is saying Pete and Vivian take my peace take my peace in the midst of the unknown the unfamiliar and know that my shadow the shadow of the almighty God says if I can create the world don't you think I can take care of you don't you think I can work out the details of your life? I believe the Lord wants us to bring those details to Him. You know, there's some people who say, well, God knows it all anyway. Why pray? Why tell Him? Because the Father wants His children to come to Him. Come just as you are. That doesn't just apply to Sunday worship here. It applies to life with God. We come just as we It can be in the middle of the night. It can be driving. It can be walking. It can be at the job. It can be anywhere. God just says, come to me with whatever is heavy on your heart or whatever matter concerns you because God cares. 
As soon as you think God doesn't care, you're going to go sideways. You're going to go sideways. God wants you to walk that path. Remember we talked about Psalm 23, the path of righteousness for His namesake. Stay on the path. Don't look at the detour and think, oh, I'm going to take a little shortcut here. No, God says stay on the path. He created the path for a reason. And Jesus says, follow me. This is being in God's peace. Now, Paul spoke of that in Philippians. And we're going to turn there to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Because the Apostle Paul dealt with some very difficult situations as a follower of Jesus Christ. It didn't always go so well with him. But did he have hope in Jesus? Did he have confidence? Was he secure? Yes. And look what Paul writes here in uh, Philippians chapter 4. And I'm going to just read for you verses 6 and 7. Here's what Paul uh, writes from his own testimony. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer with and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And now look at verse 7. Here's a good one to underline. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard. See, there's the shadow of the Almighty. It will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, if you need a verse to memorize this week, take verse 7. That is a really good one to memorize. Because you're going to be tested on this, just like I'm tested on it. And I'm going to have to ask myself, am I going to stay in the peace of God? Or am I going to go off and panic because things are going crazy in our world? You know, look at what's happening with the, the, the Middle East. Look what's happening with China, with Iran. Look what's happening with the flooding in Colorado. I mean, you watch the nightly news and you're going to hear world news. You're going to hear national news. And I tell you what, it, it is a little disconcerting. All that's going on in our world. You're going to lose your peace if your security is not in God. That's what Psalm 91 is all about. Keeping your eyes on the Almighty God whose shadow is over you and His peace is upon you. It transcends. It's over our understanding. Things happen to me that I don't understand. Have you found that true to you? Things happen to you and you say, uh, God, what's going on? What's in it? How could this be? I don't understand. And God says, just trust me. You're not going to understand. At least not this side of eternity. I hope in heaven He shows us everything that goes on. We're going to get filled in. But you know what? He just says, trust me. You're not going to understand it all. But know that I'm going to guard your heart and your mind because of Christ Jesus. See, it all comes back to Jesus, doesn't it? Here's one of the 1,236 names of Jesus in the New Testament. And it's there to remind us, God is for us. Who can be against us? Be confident in each and every day and each and every way. Now, I know some people that make a loser list. And it's really a shame. Because they think of all the things that could go bad in life. And they make a list. This could go bad. This could go bad. My car could break down. My hot water heater could break down. My kid. I mean, it's just a negative downer. Well, I believe God wants us to make a thankful list. And this week, I'll be honest with you, I had a down morning. One of the mornings, I don't recall which one it was, but I had a down morning. I kind of think it was the morning that we closed on our house and after 12 years being on the property and all the work we'd done and everything. And, and it was just like, okay, that's all over. 
It doesn't belong to me anymore. I guess it never really did belong to me, but I got to enjoy it. But I had a down morning and I went to God's word to read my devotional from Anne Graham Lotz and read the scripture. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, Pete, go get a piece of paper. Write down what you're thankful for. I thought, well, I can come up with maybe one or two things. You know, I got started. I filled the whole page. Must have been 25 or more. This is what I'm thankful for. You see, our perspective changes how we're going to live and operate. If my perspective is one of thankfulness, like the Apostle Paul says, with thanksgiving, bringing your prayers, petitions with thanksgiving, if I am thankful to God for who He is and what He's done, the fact that He saved me from hell and I'm a redeemed child of His and you know, the things of this word, they're all going to be gone. But when I begin to thank Him specifically, my heart, my heart changes. It's like God's guard is put in place. But it's real easy to let emotions kind of take over. And we're called to walk by faith, not by sight. But our emotions are real and God understands that. Aren't you glad? Okay, so Chuck Swindoll made this statement. Life is 10% what happens to us, 90% how we respond. 10% what happens to us, 90% how we respond. So do we want to respond according to God's Word and God's way and God's will? Or do we want to react out of our emotions? Well, I know where reacting has gotten me in the past. (laughs) It's made the problem worse. So I need to stop and say, Lord Jesus, help me to have your heart and mind in this matter. Whatever it is, whether it's my marriage, my children, my neighbor, my work associates, my finances, my whatever. Help me to have the mind of Christ so that I'll have the peace of God. Okay. All right, here we go. Let's go to the third one. Um, yeah, the third one is the protection. God's protection. Look at verse 2. Psalm 91. God's protection. Here the psalmist says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. Now, why did people build fortresses in the olden days? To be a refuge, to protect them. They had high walls. Jerusalem, if you've ever been to Jerusalem, you'll see the high walls that that are are around Jerusalem. It's a place of refuge. It's a place of protection. Yes, there's gates so people can go in and come out, but those gates can be shut and locked so that there's security. Listen, security inside the walls of that refuge. God says, I am the one who is your protection. You are safe in my refuge. I'm your fortress. I'm your fortress. One of my favorite psalms when I get nervous, and maybe I'm the only one who gets nervous when things happen, but one of my favorite psalms is Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I'll be honest with you. I get afraid at times. I get nervous. And my wife says, all right, Pete, calm down, calm down, settle down. And you know what? God uses Vivian to help balance me out. I don't know where I'd be today without that godly wife he's given me. But I realize that it's important for me to memorize God's word. And when I'm tested or when I'm facing a situation 
to speak it out loud. And I do. I say it out loud. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? See, those are words of truth that are going to carry me through the crisis. Whatever the crisis is. And however difficult that crisis may be. God's truth is going to carry you through because it's His means of protecting us in this life. The fact that our spirit belongs to God and that we are going to be with Him for eternity, we know that we are precious to Him. Psalm 116, verse 15. Write that one down. Psalm 116, verse 15. The older I get, the more I appreciate this this Scripture. Here's what it says. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. Now, am I a saint? Under the blood of Jesus, I am. I'm not perfect, but I'm forgiven. I'm a child of God. If my death is going to be precious to God, don't you think my living is precious to God? Your living is precious to God? He's my protector. What's interesting is later on in Psalm 91, verse 11, it talks about the angels of God guarding the people of God. That's verse 11 of Psalm 91. Psalm 34, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around about those who fear Him. Hebrews chapter 1 talks about aren't angels all ministering spirits to those who belong to God? See, God's angels have a purpose to serve Him. And they serve Him by protecting us. There isn't a day that goes by that I don't put God's angels around me and Vivian, our children and our ministry and our property. You may say, well, that's just kind of a ritual. No, it's from my heart. It's because God's Word says they're available to guard Pete. When I drive in the car, I put the guardian angels around me because there's some people out there that don't know how to drive too well. And they're not just the young folks. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) So we need to see that God wants to protect us and His angels are for that purpose. Now, I believe we need to be very careful because there are those in our world who worship angels. That's false. That's false belief. We are never, ever to worship an angel. There are some people that say, well, I have this personal guardian angel and his name is so-and-so. And and I, in fact, I was talking to a lady today. I cut her grass every week and she was telling me about her sister's personal angel that, you know, she called him I forget, Ralph or something like that. I, I forget what his name was. But she said, you know, when she passed away, uh, I kind of adopted him as my personal angel. And, you know, it, one of those things where you start going off on that tangent, you don't want to go there. No, it's new age. It's false religion. It's not what God speaks about. We should never worship an angel or we should never call upon an angel uh, in, in that respect in place of God. God alone is our protector. But He does send His angels to guard us. Have any of you ever read Guidepost? Guidepost magazine, the little magazine. I was in the chiropractor's office last week and there were a couple of the guideposts and I was reading it. I should have grabbed one of those and, and asked Mary, my Dr. Mary, can I borrow this for my sermon? But there were stories in there of people who experienced God's divine protection. They were either boating or they had an automobile accident and, and something supernatural happened. And they said it was nothing other than the hand of God. 
that they survived and they believed that God sent his angels at a specific time to protect them or just to save their life. I would encourage you, read those testimonies. The guidepost is a great one. But there's others available to you also. Okay, so we know that God got his presence with us, his peace is with us, his protection is with us. And then the last one is God's power. God's power. In Him, in God, I will trust. It's the testimony of the psalmist when he says, The Lord is my refuge and my fortress. My God, my God, capital G, in Him will I trust. You know, there's a lot of people in our world that are trusting in the government. They are. And they're trusting the government to come through. In fact, they're trusting that the government is going to print a whole lot more money. Just keep that paper flowing. Because as long as the paper's flowing, the economy will just stay floating. And they're trusting the government to see them through. What's wrong with that picture? Well, bubbles tend to pop, don't they? Governments don't always make wise decisions. Governments sometimes do things that they think will just help us float. But at some point, there's a day of accounting. And, and then it's catastrophic. See, the psalmist is saying, don't trust the government. Don't even trust your 401k or your 403b or anything else that you have going. Not that you shouldn't have those. I do. And I've started putting money into savings because I believe it's important to be wise and to make preparation. But if all your trust is in your finances, your job, your wonderful personality to get you through to wherever you're going to go, or any of those other things, then you've missed the point. See, we need to trust in God and God alone. Now, if, if I were to take out a dollar bill from my wallet, I think you all know what it says on here. Well, at least for now, it, it may be gone, but it, it does say right here on the back, in G-O-D, we trust. In God, we trust. And isn't it interesting that we have it on our currency, but we really don't apply it in our policy as a nation? And the question is, for each of us in our life, we know that we need to trust God, but are we really trusting God? Does it show? There's something that I've learned a long time ago about me and about humanity. We live what we believe. We really do. We live what we believe. If I really believe it, you're going to see it in my life. I can talk all you want, all I want. But if you don't see evidence in my life, what are you going to say about Pastor Pete? He's a hypocrite. He doesn't even practice what he preaches. You see, when I say I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, then my life should reveal I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. If I say my trust is in God, then my life should reflect my trust is in God. One of the ways that for me personally, that I reveal my trust is in God is I'm faithful with the first fruits that God's given me. I return to Him the tithe for the kingdom of God, for the church of Jesus Christ, because I believe it all belongs to the Lord. Everything belongs to Him. He's allowed me to be a manager of 100%. And all He says is, you give me a tithe, and then you manage the other 90% for my glory. Do it for my glory. There's times when the Lord says, now, Pete, I want to trust you. I want to test you a little bit more on this trust thing. There's a special need here, and I want you to give over and above your tithe to that special need. It may be a missionary or maybe a situation, someone in the neighborhood. They may be in need. And the Lord says, now, I've 
allowed your cup to overflow, now you be a blessing to someone else financially in a way that will encourage them. See, that's how God deals with me. I don't know if God deals with you the same way, but that's what I deal with. And, and sometimes He'll speak to Vivian. And, and she'll say, Pete, I just heard of this need and I really believe we need to give an extra $100 to this person to help them through their situation. And I'll say, let's do it. Because when it comes to something like that, I don't want to stand between God and Vivian and that I'm going to be the rebellious one. Let the $100 go. God knows how He's going to use it to touch someone's life. And we say, well, what's 100 bucks?" But you know, for someone who's ministering in China, that $100 goes a long ways. And it helps them to continue their ministry. So I just want to say to you and encourage you, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will direct your path. Do you know where that's found? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That's another good one to memorize. Yes, God's power is at work. He is the one that calls us to trust Him no matter what. I want to read to you a story about an individual that I found uh, pretty fascinating. Uh, this man's name is Wilson Johnson. Have you ever heard of Wilson Johnson? Well, let me just clue you in. Have you ever heard of the Holiday Inn? Okay, we've all heard of the Holiday Inn. Anybody stayed in the Holiday Inn recently? Okay, when we were in Boston, we were in the Holiday Inn Express just a couple weeks ago. Listen to this. Wilson Johnson, the founder of Holiday Inn Motels, once said, now here's a quote from him. When I was 40 years old, I worked at a sawmill. One morning, the boss told me I was fired. Depressed and discouraged, I felt like the world had caved in. When I told my wife what happened, she asked me what I was going to do. I replied, I'm going to mortgage our little home and go into the building business. My first venture was the construction of two small buildings. Think about that. Two small buildings. Within five years, I was a multi-millionaire. See the two small buildings? God's blessing was upon them. They kept growing. He kept developing. The Holiday Inn chain uh, developed. Here's what he says. At the time it happened, this is Wilson Johnson speaking, at the time it happened, I didn't understand why I was fired. Later, I saw that it was God's unerring and wondrous plan to get me into the way of His choosing. The way of His choosing. Is God sovereign? He really is, whether we acknowledge it or not. He is sovereign. He is overall. We get fired. We say, what's going on? What's that about? And God may be saying, I'm going to open up a new opportunity for you. See, it's God's power at work. If we think it's our personality or our whatever, no, we're missing it. Let God be God. We are who we are. God has gifted us. We are to use those gifts for His glory, but we're to move on and we're to understand that God works in a mighty way to encourage us. Chuck Swindoll, one of my uh, favorite pastors, I'm going to end with this. This is uh, just a, a great little poem. What God hath promised. What God hath promised. God hath not promised skies always blue. Well, look outside. I see the rain. I see the wind. It, it isn't very blue. It was yesterday. It isn't today. But listen to this. God hath not promised skies always blue, flower strewn pathways, 
all our lives through. God hath not promised sun without rain, joy without sorrow, peace without pain. But God hath promised strength for the day, rest for the labor, light for the way, grace for the, for the trials, help from above, unfailing sympathy, undying love. Someone was inspired to write that little poem from their life experience. You each have a story to tell of God's grace and God's mercy. You may not write poetry, but you may be a tool in the hands of God to encourage somebody who does not know the Lord, who who knows the Lord and may have gone off on their own. They may be very discouraged. And I believe this week, God's going to put someone on your heart and He may say, just give them a call. Or send them a a little note, a card. Or go over and visit them. And you just encourage them. Give them hope. Give them hope because you have hope. See, we can't keep it all to ourselves. We need to share the hope like we need to share the love. The Apostle Paul gets the final word here today. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Again, this is Paul's story. But he tells it so that it may be our story because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 8. Verse 35 through 39, this is one that I have not just underlined, I've highlighted it in my Bible because it is so relevant and I need to be reminded of it continually. Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Here's Paul's testimony. I trust it's your testimony as it is my testimony. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen and Amen. Father, we thank You so much for the inspired divine Word of God to speak hope and truth and security and rest and peace into our lives. Father, You know how much we need it. Jesus, thank You that our confidence is in You. Nothing can separate us from the love of God because we are in You. The Holy Spirit is in us. And we can look to the Holy Spirit to develop and strengthen and mature us in our faith and in our walk with You. Lord, we just love You, and we're going to keep loving You. We're going to keep following You until that day that You return. Our testimony is that the Lord is our God. In Him, we will trust. It's in Your name, Lord Jesus, we pray this. Amen and Amen.